You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Here's Pastor Shad Purcell. Got any readers here? I just want to start off by asking, have you read any good books lately? Because I got my favorite big book today, the Bible, and my favorite little book called How Good is Good Enough, written by pastor, author, Andy Stanley. Good book, read by thousands and thousands of people. Um, even Snoop Dogg gave it a read one time, so that's kind of, that's, that's a, and the book really answers, asks a big challenging question of, of, of since nobody's perfect, let's go ahead and get that assumption out of the way. We recognize no one's perfect, right? Any perfect people walked in here today? Anyone want to admit that? Because we'll call you out right now. <laughs> we know you're not perfect. Everyone else around you knows you're not perfect. I always love talking to people going, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm going, oh, dude, I thought you were the one guy who was perfect. So since no one's perfect, how good is good enough? And that's the book. You want the, since you sat in the front, you get to have the book. Merry Christmas. Yeah, y'all could have sat in the front. <laughs> Now, since Christmas is just wrapping up and Christmas music is finally wrapping up on the radio, some of you guys are thankful. Some of you guys are like, I need more. Mary, how did you know? And the, you know, I need more Christmas music. But there's one Christmas song I wish never got wrote because wrote, goodness, who learned me how to spoke? Um, <laughs> there's one Christmas song I wish was never written because it's creeped me out and confused me since I was a little kid. It creeps me out when there's words in this song like, he sees you when you're sleeping. Are you too? He knows when you're awake. I'm like, this creeps me out about Santa Claus a little bit right now. Does he really see me when I'm sleeping? Does he know when I'm awake? The next line's what began to confuse me, though. From a young age, he knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. And I'm like, for goodness sake, though, Santa, you have some, some explaining to do. Santa, how good is good enough. How good is for goodness sake? Because I remember one year when I was little, I was about five years old and I got a Star Wars lightsaber toy and I busted my younger brother across the face with it. Big blood popping out of his face and with a big bloody nose. Like I remember from a, that's my first like deep remorse, regret. I know that I had done wrong on purpose. And I thought for sure, if anything lands you on the naughty list, it's busting your younger brother in the face with the lightsaber. I mean, that just puts you there for sure. But guess what? When I went to go see Santa at the mall, I sat on his lap and he asked me what I wanted. I was like, well, you know I don't get any toys this year, right? Because you remember when I saw my brother, I hit him with the thing. Guess what? That Christmas, ran downstairs, watched under the tree. There's presents for my brothers and there's presents for me. And I thought, ha ha, Santa's not so watchful. Or maybe you can be bad just a little bit. Like now I'm in limbo about, okay, how good is good enough and how bad is too bad? How naughty is naughty? Now I remember lying awake at a young age in sheer terror when I thought, I can't figure out Santa Claus. I don't know how good is good enough. What freaked me out though was going, what about God? Almighty God. Like if you've got to be good in order to spend your good eternity in a good place with a good God, good heaven, right? Good people go to heaven, right? That's the popular assumption that that's, since the beginning of time will last until Jesus comes back. There's been this popular assumption, and I'm calling it an assumption on possible because, because I'm, I'm calling it, I had way too much caffeine between the breaks. <laughs> Serious, I had this big gallon of sweet tea, and I had half of a five-hour energy, so I've got two and a half hours of energy, and it all hit me right now. Will y'all forgive me? I'm going to take a deep breath and try to speak English. Okay. There's an assumption. And you know what they say about assumptions. When you assume, there's this assumption that good people go to heaven. And that's what we're going to really look at today. We're going to look and tackle this. Do good people go to heaven? 
You would think you've got to be good down here in order to get up there. But then here's my question to us, is then why did Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, come from heaven down to earth? If you've got to be good to get up there, why did he come down here to be among us? God, you know, in flesh, God incarnate, God con carne, if you will. God put flesh on and dwelt among us. Why did he do that? If all you got to do is be good to get up there, are you laughing about that con carne thing? Was that, or are you laughing because a gringo's trying to say con carne and he gets it wrong every time? Hey, my dad's not in this service yet, is he? Okay, dad's coming to the next service. Every time we go out to eat at a Mexican food restaurant, my dad asks for cheese con quesa. And you're like... Yeah, you get that later. If you see my dad, cheese cone queso. I'm like, Dad, first it's not queso, it's queso. And you basically, you just ask for, you know what I mean. Cheese with cheese. Five-hour energy, distracted again. You're like, squirrel, where's Doug? When's, when's Doug coming back? Get this guy off the stage. So God comes con carne, in flesh, to us. Now, Why? If Christ came to be among us so we can be good, we can be better, now we have a role model to be like. Like, like you can imagine Jesus, and, and he's got his younger brothers. He's got a, brother, a younger brother named James who writes part of the Bible. And can you imagine sitting and growing up with Jesus as an older brother and, and good mother Mary's like, why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? You know, because like, he's Jewish. He has a Jewish accent. Why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? And like... Well, if Jesus has just come to earth to be a good example for us, well, then we all kind of got a lot of catching up to do because Jesus is, is perfect. And if Jesus is truly just an example, how good to be, then really Christianity falls in the category with all other world religions because all world religions have, you know, there's a belief, but it's really more about how you behave, you know. Believe what you want, just be really good at it. So you can be a really good Buddhist, you can be a really good Muslim, you can even be a really good atheist and believe nothing, but just be good at it for goodness sake, and then the good people will get to have some kind of a good afterlife. Now, this, this positive, this, this assumption of good people go to heaven has got a lot of supporting evidence, and that's why many people have believed it or assumed it for, for forever, really. And um, the assumptions are like this. Number one, one of the, you're good. Like we like the people, good people go to heaven assumption is because guess what? You're good, you're good aren't you? You're the good people. The good people are here today. Any bad people here today? You, okay, thank you for your honesty. Um, you ruined my illustration, but no. no. Welcome to City Church. City Church is the place of transparency. We're going, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm bad, messed up. We'll get to there. But we're good. It's like you're the good people. You went to church probably on Christmas Eve, and you're even here back here on Sunday on low attendance church day and around nationwide. This is a low attendance day in church. Because like I went to church on Christmas Eve. Why am I going to come back? You're the good people. You're good. So we like the assumption that good people go to heaven is because you're good, aren't you? Maybe you're not that good. Like you said, I'm not perfect, but you know you're better than that guy. There's always that guy that you're like, I'm better than him. So we like the assumption that good people go to heaven. Time Magazine did a survey, asked Americans uh, if they believe in heaven. 90% of Americans said, yes, I believe there is a heaven. And they asked those same people, do you believe that you're going to that heaven? Well, yeah, <laughs> hope so. So 90% of the people that believe they're heaven, all of those people believe they are going there. Because we're good. We're good. So if you ask, if you press the question, why do you think you're going to heaven? Well, like I never killed anybody or anything. That's the big one. As long as you didn't do that, you're as long as you did more bad than good. So we believe that we are good. That's one, that's one positive kind of supporting evidence for the, 
assumption that good people go to heaven. Another one is it just seems fair. It seems to be fair because that's how we grow up. You grow up, you go to school, you do your work, you get good grades, and you get promoted to the next grade, to the next grade through college and then through work. Then you get a job. Now you get to work, work, and you work hard, you get promoted. Maybe you get a raise. Our efforts we put in is the result and the output comes to, to it just seems fair. Does I can't even explain it much more than that. It just seems fair. And it's also the assumption that good people go to heaven is very motivating. Like we need that carrot dangling in front of us. Like we need some motivation. If you want a better body, you want to drive a Bugatti, you want whatever, you got you to like work, work for these things. So we need motivation, some positive reinforcement, like a carrot dangling in front of us. These are, these are some of the, this is some of the air that, that fills up the assumption of good people go to heaven. So we'll just pretend that for the sake of illustration, this balloon is my assumption that good people go to heaven. So recap. First, you're good. That's airtight, man. That's an airtight assumption now because I'm good. You're good. We're all good. At least we're not that good, but we're better than that guy, so we're good enough. So, And also, it seems fair. Number two, it seems fair. And that adds some, some validity to our assumption, right? It just seems fair, and then it, it's motivating. We need some motivation in life. So if you want, if you got to be good to get up there, then I'm going to be good. And we could go on and on. I'm sure there's dozens of other supporting evidences to this assumption of it just seems easy. It just it's make, it was common sense. Like if you ever had a conversation, well, do good people go to heaven? Well, yeah. Why? Oh, it just makes sense. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about the Spurs or something. Go Spurs. This, this, this talking about good people going to heaven, it just, it just makes sense. But when you take that assumption and you go further with it, like, okay, well, does the Bible support it? Now, when you bring the assumption of good people go up to heaven and you bring it up with Scripture, it's going to bust your bubble. I put a little needle right there. That was a little creative, wasn't it? So... Scripture does not support the assumption of good people go to heaven whatsoever. So when people say, well, I believe in the good book, and I'm going to follow the rules of the good book and the, the, the golden rule, the Ten Commandments, and when I die, I'm going to get to go to the good heaven because I followed the good book. Okay, well, I was like, where in the good book does it say that's how it works? Like in the Ten Commandments? It doesn't at all. And first, and then I'll, if, I'm, if I'm feeling ornery, I like to pick on something like, hey, what are the Ten Commandments? If you're living by the Ten Commandments, truly, honestly, what are they? You know, don't kill. Don't cheat on your wife. Um, think you shouldn't steal or lie. Um, I got four. Okay, there's like six more. Like if, if this is truly what you're basing your life on, what are the Ten Commandments? And nowhere in Scripture does it say that the Ten Commandments have any kind of what's going to bring salvation to us, but... The scriptures in Romans 3.20 says that therefore no one will be declared righteous, by, righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. You know, like God's word that brings us closer to him. But rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. And the Bible is full of examples and pages and examples and pages of, of it's not your good works that make you right before God. If anyone had any right to say, man, I'm good before God because I follow the letter of the law, it would have been the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote most of our New Testament, great thinker, very obedient to the law. He was good. He was the best of the best. You know what he says about this? 
In Galatians 2.21, he says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So if you want to live under the assumption of good people go to heaven, please do not try to make the Bible say that. It just does not fit. It's a, that's a round peg in a square hole. It, just, it does not go together because Scripture does not support the assumption of good people go to heaven. We want to be a people of the Bible. We want to study God's Word, God, know God's Word, read the Word, and let the Word read us. But nowhere in there do we need to assume that the, because we read the Word, that God's shining down on us saying, that, that's salvation to that guy. He didn't skip a Bible study once in 20 years. But, but the word draws us and our eyes open to how good God is. Because we don't know what's good. It's the, next, the next thing we'll talk about. And, and why we know that it's not about good people going to heaven is because we don't know what is good. We can't agree on what's good. Haven't major wars been fought by two separate groups of people who both believe they're doing good and both groups of people believe that God is on their side and they war together. And I'm like, poor God, he can't decide whose side he's on. He's just confused. Or take it from the global level, even into like a home, husband and wife. Any husbands and wife both had completely different views on what good was. What's the good way for the toilet paper to go on the roll? Like there's some things we can't agree on. And you vowed to be together till death do you part. Or you got together at Christmas around the table with some family. There was maybe some lively, robust dialogue there because you both have different interpretations of, of what's best, what's good. So as a people, we can't always agree on what's good. And even when we can agree on what's good, like we can all agree speed limits are good. They're necessary. They keep us safe on the roads. We should have speed limits. But if we're honest, will some of us admit that we maybe exceeded speed limits on the way even to church today? Now, can you imagine those, like, those of us that have been pulled over a few times? I haven't been pulled over, I think, in a long time. I hope in a long time. See, I cut my teeth driving a Corvette. So in my mind, I'm still just driving a Corvette always. Okay, it's a Tacoma. Slow down, dude. That's um, <laughs> a Corvette. Um, can you imagine when you get pulled over? And the officer says, do you have any idea how fast you were going? I'm like, well, I know the sign says 55, but Sammy Hagar lives in my soul. And he was just telling me, I can't drive that 55. You know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling more of an 80 right here. This feels like an 80 kind of road. Like, it's, it's the Sunday after Christmas, and there's no one on the road. Shouldn't we be open to interpretation that even when we know right and we agree speed limits are healthy, Sometimes we don't do what's right just because we want to do what we want to do. We want to be our own people. So there's a, a contradiction there. Even when we know what is right, we're just hoping maybe God's grading on a curve. God, are you grading on a curve here so I can be okay? So even if I wasn't perfect, I was at least better than the lowest guy. That brings us to the next point. Point number three, we don't know what grade we have to get. If you've got to get a grade in order to be good enough for God and good enough to go to heaven... Like, what grade do you have to be? Since we recognize no one's perfect, no one's getting 100, what do I got to get? Is it a 51? Like, as long as I get, like, better than, like, my good is just barely better than my bad. Is that good enough? Or maybe you're thinking, God in, in, imposed the American grading scale on the soul of man, so we know you got to at least get a 70 percentile. You got to get, you got to get a D. You got to get a D in order to go to heaven. So you're, you're tallying up things and trying to figure, well, what do I got to do to be able to get D? And some of you are freaking out going, when does it start? When did God start grading? If God's grading us, 
If God has some kind of point system he's putting on our lives where he can pick his best of the best and he can make his fantasy football team out of us because of worst, you know, when does it start? Does it start when you're like six? Does it start like after adolescence? We're praying, God, please, can I plead insanity for my teenage years? Because those shouldn't count. You know, it was stupid. When does it start? And then some of you are thinking, you know what? If I averaged up all the, the naughty years in my life compared to the good years, I don't have enough time left in my life to make the balance out. So when does it start? It'd be like, it'd be like if a teacher came in here now and the teacher said, hey, class, we're going to have one test, one test only. That's your grade, your final grade. It's pass, fail, class dismissed. Got, got any notes? <laughs> got any books we could read? Anything? Like, nope, no notes, no tests. I'll see you on test day. Class dismissed. Like, that's not a fair teacher, is it? That's not a good teacher. Or imagine we all show up on a race day, like we're going to do a running race, like the Rock and Roll Marathon just came through a couple weeks ago. We all line up for a race right outside the cameo, and we've got our little numbers pinned to our shirt, like on your mark, get set, go. Go where? <laughs> Which way? That way or this way? Just go. Okay, I'm going to go, but when is the finish line? We'll tell you when you get there. You know, like there's no direction. There's no, there's no vision. There's like, there's nothing in order to lay out. Give, where's the Bible? Give me some answers. How good is good enough? When does it start? Where are we going? That's why this assumption is so full of holes. The assumption that good people go to heaven. It's like we need some help. We need some help. And good news for us. If we believe in Christ, then Christ is our help. Our help comes from the Lord. So what would Christ say about this assumption? Because it's not a new one. The assumption was alive and well in the time of Jesus Christ. In fact, the assumption was, was so prevalent in the church that the religious leaders had taken it to a whole new art form. They were varsity-level do-gooders. They made rules on top of rules on top of rules so that they wouldn't even come close to not doing the first rule. So they, they were so just very dedicated, so resilient to keeping all the rules. So what would Jesus have to say to a society like that? But Jesus comes in and he wholeheartedly disagrees with the assumption that good people go to heaven. Jesus disagrees and Jesus would know. He would know better than anyone what it takes to get to heaven because that's where he came from, right? He came to be among us. And when Jesus came into this world, he taught that the best of the best rule followers were totally missing the boat. They were missing out. They were missing the big point. And Jesus taught that some of the worst of the worst, like they were getting it. They were getting in. Jesus taught them that, that good people, it's not good people that go to heaven. Jesus didn't teach that good people go to heaven. Jesus taught that forgiven people go to heaven. Any forgiven people appreciate that truth? Because we can't be good enough. Yeah. I appreciate it too, because I'm a forgiven person. We see this truth most clearly through the cross of Jesus Christ. See, because Jesus came into a world that was dominated by religious leaders who were doing good and trying to do good, and they're the ones running the church, and Jesus comes in, and he's just turning everything upside down. They go, okay, we got to get rid of that guy. He's messing up the good system. So they hung a good, perfect Savior on a wooden cross. 
is that he deserves the death penalty for what he's doing. Going around forgiving people. You can't forgive people. They got to earn their salvation. They got to do sacrifices. There's got to be deep-hearted repentance and sackcloth and ashes. He can't get to go around forgiving people because they ask for forgiveness and they put their faith in him. No. They put him on a cross. And from the cross, even remember, he spoke words to the from the cross. He asks God for something. He says, Father, could you help them do better? Did I misquote Jesus? That make you a little mad? You're like, stop misquoting Jesus. No, he said, Father, help them be good. What did he say? He said, Father, forgive. Father, forgive them. And as Jesus is blessing the people with his last breath, there are two criminals hung on each side of him. They were criminals so bad. They're some of the worst of the worst. They're, they're too bad for jail. Like they only deserve the death penalty. And from the cross, Two criminals and two different responses to Jesus. One of them spent his whole life cursing people. He continued to curse Christ even in his final breath. On the other side, there was another criminal, and we see what he says. It's recorded in Luke 23. It says, but the other criminal rebuked him. He says, don't you fear God, he said. Since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserved. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So for all of us in the room that haven't been good enough, all of us that have sinned, so that's all of us, all of us that deserve death, These are our words. We are like this criminal on the cross. These are our words saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, too bad, so sad, too little, too late. You can't throw up a Hail Mary pass at the 11th hour. There's no time to do anything. Jesus' words here are so beautiful. What he says truly I always love it when Jesus starts a quote off with truly, because he's speaking truth. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And he says, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. How beautiful. Beautiful to me. Beautiful to us. I want to spell it out, because I'm a spell it out kind of guy. I don't know about you, but in my life, I need, my wife and I will have like, a conversation and go, could you make that in writing? Because I need writing. So in case you've just been like, I did, we'll solidify it for us. When we live in this, this assumption, this assumption that good people go to heaven, so you got to be good, it's all about do. What do you do? What do you do with every opportunity? What are you going to do? How are you going to do? It's all, it's really, it all hinges. Going, if there's any good that's going to happen, it's going to be because of the good that I do. This is my hope. My hope is in what I do. And if all of your hope is in what you do, let me be crass and say that you are in deep do. <laughs> do. But here's the good news for all of us, because we can't do enough. We truly can't do enough. It's not about what we do. What do you think I'm going to spell? Yes. 
It is all about, always has been about, always will be all about what has been done. What the Holy Son of God has done for us, from the cross for us, saying, Father, forgive them. For They don't know what they do. But when we trust, when we believe in what has been done on our behalf, that he loved us enough for God so loved the world. He gave us his son. His son gave us his life so that for the, the evil things that we have done, he replaces them with the good, pure, holy thing that he has done, his sacrifice. So from our belief in that, we know the truth that we find in Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, um, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says it like this. It says, God saved you by his grace when you, what? When you believed. That's the thing. When you believed. And you can't take credit for this. You can't get, look what I did. No, no, it's what Christ did and you just believed in it. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. This Christmas, you learn a lot about people by the gifts they give you, don't you? You can see how well they know you. They can, you, you get to know if they know what size clothes you wear because they got you some way too big or way too small. They, they, they realize, dude, I don't even like Star Wars. Why'd you get me a Chewbacca mug? You know, And if you don't like Chewbacca, shame on you. Um, <laughs> but you can tell a lot about the people by the gifts they give you. We can tell so much about God by the gifts he gives us, right? This is the gift he gives from us. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it but for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. So now the good things we do are not in any kind of hopes of achieving salvation, but the good things we do are a result of the salvation that's already been given to us, and we want to celebrate it by doing good. I say, God, you're so good. I want to follow your lead. I want to be like you. I want to help usher in your kingdom so that more people can believe what you have done, what he has done for us. Let's pray together, okay? Hey, Father, help us to, to relax and rest deep in the truth of what you have done and let us never grow weary in sharing it with the rest of the world. It's not about us whatsoever. It's all about you, all about your gift, your eternal gift of grace to us. Never, never let us take it for granted. Never let us uh, run away with any kind of false assumption that it's, it's about what we have done, but it's all about what you have done through your grace, through your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.